Today in Canadian History for April 12th, I'm Mark Affel. New Brunswick's 104th Regiment of Foot arrived in Kingston, Ontario on April 12th, 1813, ready to fight in the War of 1812. The troops had set out from Fredericton on February 16th, and in total they covered a distance of 1,125 kilometers by foot. To learn more about this amazing trek, I spoke with historian Gary Campbell. Gary is the author of The Road to Canada, the Grand Communications Route from St. John to Quebec. To what extent was New Brunswick involved in the War of 1812? There was quite an involvement, not to the, the point that, say, Quebec or Ontario was, because they were involved in land battles. However, in the, the Maritimes, most of the, the war was on the sea. Uh, you had the Royal Navy and the British privateers against the American Navy and the American privateers. That part of the war was quite active with ships being taken, retaken, uh, activities like that. Things were relatively quiet on the land. Uh, New Brunswick originally was concerned that they would be attacked uh, from the United States. That didn't happen, and in fact there was a almost a neutrality established between the um, New England merchants and the merchants of New Brunswick and uh, Nova Scotia. On, however, on the military front, you know, New Brunswick built a number of fortifications, and they were prepared to defend themselves against an American invasion that never happened. And in fact, the shoe was on the other foot, because in the late summer of 1814, the British invaded uh, what is now the state of Maine, and uh, occupied of all, all of Maine from Bangor northwards. So at the, at the end of the war, um, all of northern Maine was occupied by the British. Now, now to go back to the actual march, obviously a huge amount of distance was traveled, but I'm curious, what were the sort of conditions that the soldiers had to face trekking from Fredericton to Kingston? Well, it was, for New Brunswick, it was the middle of winter, and looking back at Lecouture's account, they'd had the heaviest snowfall they'd had for the previous eight or nine years, and the temperatures were ranging in the neighborhood of minus 27 to minus 32 degrees centigrade, which is cold, especially if you're outdoors marching in the type of winter clothing they had at the time. Uh, it, it, you know, it was a horrendous march. They... There's a couple of narratives. One say, says their their first day from Fredericton going north, they were taken by slaves for the first day's journey. Uh, Le Couture, in his account, and he was the last group of six to leave, doesn't mention that. He just talks about marching on snowshoes. However, once they got on foot, it was snowing constantly. Uh, the path that had been beaten by the, the company that went the previous day, and I should say there were six companies, one behind, uh, day behind each other. But the path that had been beaten by the company going the previous day was seems to have been obliterated by the snow, so each company had to break their own trail each day. And after about the sixth day, they uh, were above Florenceville, New Brunswick, following the course of the St. John River, and they were beyond the area that was settled to any degree. So the next few nights they had to 
form rough camps in the uh, in the woods, cut down trees, make rough shelters for themselves, uh, light large fires to keep themselves warm until they get up to Grand Falls, New Brunswick, where there was a military post. They had shelter there. They had shelter as they went between Grand Falls, New Brunswick, and what is now Edmonston because they were into the, uh, the Madawaska settlement. Uh, and from there, they had about a four or five day walk up the Madawaska River and across Lake Timiskwata until they got to present day Cabano, where there was some shelter. Then it was two days across the Grand Portage until they hit the St. Lawrence River. Uh, from there, things became easier for them. Along the St. Lawrence River, as far as Quebec, and then on to Kingston, was pretty much settled, except when you got into eastern Ontario. So the the roads had been beaten down by uh, travel by the the local inhabitants, so it was fairly easy marching until they at least got down to the Ontario border. I mean, once they got to Kingston, where did they go from there? Well, once they arrived in Kingston, uh, the first thing they did is they... A group of them were assigned to participate in the attack on Sackett's Harbor on the 29th of May. And that was a major American naval base. So the, the idea was they would do a preemptive strike on it and try to destroy the, uh, the Americans' ability to build ships, which was part of the uh, shipbuilding uh, race on the Great Lakes. And that wasn't a terribly successful attack, so they came back to Kingston and from what I can tell, the the whole battalion then moved down to the Niagara frontier for the summer of 1813 and the campaigns there. Uh, they went back to Kingston that fall. Most of the company stayed in the Kingston area. They may have gone up as far as uh, Prescott, Ontario, to Fort Wellington. But in the summer of 1814, the two flank companies, the uh, the Grenadier Company and the Light Infantry Company, uh, went back to the Niagara frontier and participated in the the famous battles of that period, such as the Battle of Lundy's Lane and the attack on Fort Erie. And then at the end of the war, they went back and eventually wound up in Quebec, where the regiment was disbanded in 1817. From what I can tell, it is probably the most difficult and the longest march ever undertaken by any unit of the British or Commonwealth armies. In 1837, the regiment that was in garrison in Fredericton was called again in the winter to go up to uh, Quebec to reinforce Quebec after the rebellions of 1837. And they went all the way by sleigh this time because uh, the country was better developed. Apparently, the Duke of Wellington heard about this and made the statement that this was the greatest feat of arms he had ever heard of by a, a unit of the British Army. And this sparked uh, Playfair, who I'd mentioned, to write a letter saying, well, that might have been difficult, but it was much more difficult for us, and here are the reasons, which led to his letter. And I thought that was quite quite interesting that uh, Wellington should comment upon the a much easier march that happened in 1837. But, of course, he was otherwise occupied in... Uh, 1813, uh, trying to defeat Napoleon's army in Spain. Gary Campbell is currently involved in the drive to have the 104th Regiment of Foot's battle honour reactivated and perpetuated by a current Canadian militia unit. For more information, visit todayincanadianhistory.ca. Today is a day full of Canadian history. 
Women were granted the right to vote in the province of Ontario on this day back in 1917. A special joint committee of the Senate and House of Commons concluded that O Canada should become our national anthem on this date back in 1967. And as always, we air this episode of Today in Canadian History. Today in Canadian History is produced by CGSW 90.9 FM. The executive producers are Joe Burma and Mark Affeld. Original music is produced by the Fisk, Fletcher and May Trio. Our series is not meant to be a definitive source on our past. Instead, we hope that it sparks a desire to learn more about our unique history. For more information on the series or to recommend an event or moment, check out our website at cgsw.com slash today in Canadian history. And now it's time for some Canadiana trivia. Did you know that both the lyrics and melody to O Canada remain in the public domain? Basically, that means that nobody can own the rights to the song. However, the 2010 Vancouver Olympics did successfully trademark the phrase with glowing hearts, which was the English language motto of the Games. 